Hallelujah. Now, the message I'm going to talk about here is going to be based on that dialogue that Nicodemus had with the Lord. And in that dialogue, we're going to see a tremendous instruction to the church at this hour, especially as relates to entry, which is indeed the most important aspect of the word, how we can enter. Now, I'm going to read our reference scripture, and then based on that, I will launch the message for this day. Hallelujah. So, um, the title of this message becomes the window of restoration the window of restoration or the window of revival or the window of renewal the window of rehab rehabilitation the window of resuscitation the window of rebirth Whichever way you want to put it, restoration. So, the window of restoration. That is the title of this message. So, I'm reading from the book of John chapter 3. The book of John chapter 3, I'm reading from verse 1. And it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Hallelujah. Step by step, I'm going to be able to handle this. But you can see already the manner of engagement. He sees Jesus he, in his presentation. He talks about, we have been observing. We have been watching. You can almost feel that, right? Hallelujah. We have been watching and now we are coming to the conclusion that you are from him. And he says further on, he says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Hallelujah. So, if you look at the whole arrangement, the narrative that's in the Bible about it, this is what you see. You find, observed, we have been following. We are watching. We have seen. And we are now concluding. We've come to a conclusion that you're from him. And then, down there, as he says so, he said, for nobody can do these things except God be with him. Right? But now listen to this. Then, when the Lord Jesus replies, there is a disconnect. He gives another answer. Hallelujah. I will explain to you how that comes into being. And so you will see very clearly that there is a disconnect. He's talking about, we know you do these things. We know that your anointing is right. The power is right. The authority is right. The works we see. And so we believe you are from him. And when he says that, and in reply, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. 
it does not look like he's in this conversation with him, right? A little disconnect there. Why? Because the Lord Jesus was reading beyond his words. I'm going to come to this. He was able to read his heart. I'm going to come to this. I'm just highlighting a little bit of that. Can we move on? And he says, in reply, verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Verse 4, he says, how can a man be born again when he is old? How does he return to the stomach? How can he, when he's old like this? Hallelujah. Step by step. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Verse 5. Jesus answered I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. He's introducing several things step by step. I'm first reading most of the whole scripture, the reference scripture. Then later I'm going to revisit with you and expound and open up. But I'm just reading the reference scripture that we're on the same page. And so Nicodemus comes. He says that. He says, Master, we know the power is right. We can see that the anointing is right. The miracles are right. The authority is right. We know you are from him. Meaning, we have been watching. And he says, for nobody can do these things except God be with him. In reply, the Lord says, I tell you the truth. Nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And then he asks, but how? When he's old like this, does he return a second time to the stomach? And then, down there, turns back again and says, Look, nobody can enter the glorious kingdom of Jehovah unless he's born of water in the spirit. Step by step. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, Unless he's born of water and the spirit. Verse 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my words. You must be born again. I want to stop right there so we can start the journey. Hallelujah. So you see very clearly precious people that there was this situation that confronted Nicodemo but I'll go step by step that you may understand even better. Now listen to me precious people. This is what's happening here. When Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, that's the ruling class, the elite, <laughs> the authority in the land. When he came to Jesus, he was confronted with this. We have been watching this guy. We watch him. We have followed him. And we have found out that his miracles are right. 
ways are right. His power is right. And you begin to understand from just the step one of this conversation that they knew the benchmark, the standards of their God. That's the first thing you pick from there. They knew when somebody has come from Jehovah. Hallelujah. And so in observing, they could tell, this one has come from our God. Step one. And then, when this conversation was taking place, you could almost tell that the Lord Jesus in this conversation was aware of who he was meeting. He was aware who exactly he was meeting here. Why? Because in the manner of his reply, you can tell that the Lord Jesus, he knew that, oh, these are the Pharisees. These people. Oh. So these are the people I have heard about. Why? Why? Why would he be in that place? Oh. So these are the Pharisees. Because. There was a forerunner. There was a forerunner. The forerunner and the Lord always have the same message. He's saying that the forerunner and the Lord himself, the owner of the message, always are one. Same message. There is no difference. No change. So, that informs me, that tells me this. It tells me that in the manner in which you engage with the forerunner, I can project. So, you find that in all this, you could almost tell, feel, that the Lord Jesus, in this conversation, his response, his engagement was informed. By the previous contact with the forerunner. Step by step. Because he knew these people. He knew these people. Listen. I am saying this. When Nicodemus comes and says, Rabbi, teacher, Mualimu, maestro. We know that you are a teacher come from Jehovah. Why? Because your miracles are right. Meaning, the anointing is right. But tell me, how can a man enter? Let me explain this better. Meaning, Meaning this. The Lord.
Jesus, I said his contact, his conversation, his response, his engagement with him was indeed informed by the manner in which they engage with the foreigner. That's the first thing I said. And I'm saying here that in that engagement with the foreigner, listen, there was a conflict. There was a conflict. There was a conflict. He was aware of that. Why? Because he knew that these Pharisees, the elite, the ruling class, the Pharisees, they were actually the teachers of the law. They taught the law for many, 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 many years. Many years. So they became the maestros, the masters of the law. They practiced the law. They were the ones practicing the law in the land. They were the legal counsel of Israel. Telling Israel how to eat, what to eat, when to eat, bar mitzvah, when the Jewish boy reaches 12 years and now he has to be initiated into adulthood. The Jewish girl like that also. What ceremony to observe? How to dress? How to observe the feasts of Israel? What foods they are in? How to sacrifice? How to worship? How to worship? So, I am saying that as Jesus was engaging with him, he comes at night. At night. Can I say a little bit on that? Look at this now. He comes at night, not in the day. Why? He knew that in the ministry of Jesus, his routine, when you watch his routine, the Lord's routine, this is what you see. In the day, he was swarmed. Very heavy schedule. People around him, be ministering to people. What People are full around him. Wherever he went, they followed him. The anointing of the Lord. So, he was aware of that. Very much aware of that. Look at this now. And you are talking about the Pharisees. They were the critics of the law. The scholars of the law. Professors of law. They were the observers of the law. The watchers. They were the compliance officers. Ensuring compliance unto the law. So they were deep. Deep. They were deep. And he must have thought to himself. If I go in the day. He has no time. They are all over around him. 
And yet, when I'm going to him, I want to engage deeply with him. I want to ask deep questions. I want us to handle each other. To sort it out. Why? Because we have been teaching this law from year to year. Many years, year on end. And telling Israel about the five books of Torah. How Israel can live right. And in that living, how she can eventually enter. The purpose was that Israel may be in right standing with God and finally enter the glorious kingdom of Jehovah. And we have been doing this for many years. So he became the critics, the analysts, the scholars of the law. We knew when which law does not apply, when there is exemption here, when somebody is sick here, we handle we knew these books. Israel came to us for counsel. And then in that leading of Israel to compliance, meaning right standing, meaning entry, then comes one and he begins to do things. They say, ah, it seems to be from our God. We are on this side, we are busy trying to prepare Israel for entry for the kingdom. And then he appears doing these things open, broad daylight. They had to go there and ask him. Oh, yes. Meaning, meaning, hey, how do you come? How do you come? Meaning, hey, you look like a messenger from our God. What is the message? Hallelujah. Step by step. You can almost feel that there in that response. What is the message? Another question that you could pull out in that contact is that, hey, for many years, we have been teaching this thing here. And then you come and do mighty works like this. From our God. He looks you from him. So please, hey. Which is the way? In other words, show us the way. Which is the way now? Because we are doing it here. And then you are doing it there with power. What is the message? In other words, why do you come? Who are you? Why do you come? Oh! In that response that Jesus gave him is very mighty. Mighty why? Because you could tell that the Lord was aware these people I know them. Coming at night. So you can get as much time so they can go scholarly on this matter. Square it out. Sort it out. So, what is this that informed the Lord's answer? Unless a man be born again, cannot enter. What 
inform that answer. Because you would think it's disconnected from what he was saying. And I said, the previous engagement with the forerunner. And I want us to quickly read there a little bit so we are on base. We go now to the book of Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 on. Hallelujah. What was that engagement? Matthew chapter 3, precious people. Keeping John chapter 3 in your heart and mind and soul. That's the reference. That's the baseline scripture. Hallelujah. Matthew 3, I'm going to read now. Matthew 3, for example, 1 to 10. And he says here, I'm reading. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. <laughs> Same message. It was already given there. It had been delivered there. And you come to ask? Now I know you want to engage with me deeply. Because he was given there. He said, repent for the glorious kingdom is at hand. I'm reading on. Verse 3, Matthew 3, 3. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Verse 4. John clothed himself. Camel's hair. He had leather belt around his waist. His foot locust. Wild honey. Verse 5. People went out. From Jerusalem. And all Judea. And the whole region of the Jordan. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brutes of vipers, who want you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you the truth, out of these stones. Listen a bit. That was the engagement then, over there. He came and he says, repent he said for the kingdom of God is near but in that contact you see that the Pharisees rejected rejected it let me put it better the Pharisees and Sadducees they rejected the message of repentance. He was aware of that as he was engaging Nicodemus. Why? You see, even the manner of discourse with the messenger is this. He says, 
You broods of snakes. You children of snakes. You broods of vipers. He says that. That's how he addresses them. He calls them broods of vipers, meaning snakes. Then he says, who has warned you? Who warned you? That you should move location. Move from there. Where the rat is coming to strike there. Who has told you to move? Huh? Who told you? To move from there. That the wrath is coming. And listen to this now. And he says. Don't come here. And start saying we are children of Abraham. Say produce the fruit of repentance. Listen to this now. You can almost tell. That the Lord Jesus was aware of what the Pharisees were teaching. We are children of Abraham. Our father is Jacob. In other words, our bloodline, our blood is clean. The other thing they told, we are they whose fathers walked with the cloud in the desert. God walked with our father. We are that bloodline. We are pure blood, pure lines. Meaning inheritance. We have inheritance. Don't talk to us like that. We are the pure line, pure blood. We are, look, we have not contaminated. And when you move further, they also told, we are they whose fathers ate bread directly from the throne. You can almost tell, Jesus knew these things. He knew the conversation, the teachings on the other side, the doctrine, what I call the doctrine of manna and the gospel of the cloud. That they preached. That greatly informed his engagement with Nicodemus. But I don't want to jump this. Hallelujah. I want to come back a little bit. Because when he knew that they were teaching that. And they come to him. And say miracles are right. Power is right. Anointing is right. You are from him. Except to be with you cannot do this. He said. Does not matter anyhow. Unless a man be born again. Forget it. He cannot, he said. Cannot enter. He said, just forget it. Whether pure line, pure blood, forget it. If you don't get born again. Do you understand the manner? In other words, I'm saying, it does not matter. You've taught it. We are the true inheritance. We are the children of Abraham. Even here, we are the people of repentance. We are the people of the altars. Look at how we are dressed. 
We are the people of repentance. We are the ones eating the true bread. The repentance and holiness. What do you say to Nicodemus? In all that, unless a man be born again, forget it. In all that. With all that in place, unless a man be born again, he will not enter. He will not. And he turned to Nicodemus. He said, I appreciate, I understand. But listen to me. Unless a man be born again, he will not enter. He knew they refused. Jesus was literally laying before him a new window. He was saying, now that I've come, there are two lives. All that you have lived until now, and all that begins from now on. There are two phases of life. That's what he was saying. But the question is. In all that. Holy altars. Holy dressing. Holy worship. The people of repentance. We are the ones of holiness. Tell me. In all that. Are you born again? Are you born again? I appreciate, I understand. And the Lord is saying, all that I understand. But tell me one thing. Are you born again? He said, unless a man be born again, holy scouts, holy messages, holy altars, holy, eh? unless a man be born again. Forget it. He says, you will not see it. You are not entering. Because I said, in the engagement of the forerunner, they come and he say, no, why do you come? You brutes of vipers. You impediment of the word. You that try to block it. Why do you come? He said, please, please, please. Produce forth the fruit of repentance and don't say that we are children of Abraham. We have inheritance. Don't say that. Because he was changing the order. Coming by night, I mentioned that. I said he wanted maximum time. Also, you still have to appreciate one thing the humility of Nicodemus. But listen to this. In this engagement here, to get more time so I can ask deeper, so we can sort it out deeper, to come at night so nobody see me also. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another thing in that answer. I tell you the truth. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see it. He will not enter the kingdom of
of God. Another thing in that answer. You could almost tell that the Lord Jesus was asking him back. Back. Listen to this. You could almost hear the Lord asking him back. Say, why do you ask? As in, why do you ask? You Pharisees, why do you ask? Earlier on, I know how you rejected it became a conflict. Right? Contestation. Right? Why do you ask? In other words, you could hear him ask him back. He said, How know ye not? How come you don't know? That in Genesis chapter 1 chapter 2 when you read chapter 3, the fall of man. How know ye not that men fell and I have to come? This is it. Why would you ask? How come you don't know that Genesis 1-2, but Genesis 3, man falls very badly. How come you don't know? Or you are claiming you don't know that there was a fall in Genesis 3. In other words, how know ye not that Genesis 3, 15, it's me, talks about me. And the woman shall have a son and it shall crash. And that would be the window of restoration. How come you don't know that? In other words, why would you come and ask? We can see you are from him. Why do you come? We can see you are from him. What is the message? And he says, unless a man be born again. Forget it. Can we read it? Then I will explain deeper. The walk with God. Hallelujah. Genesis 3. How can you ask why I have come? Or how I have come? How have you come? How can you ask the message? How know ye not that in Genesis 3 was the fall? And Genesis 3.15, it is me. It's talking about me there. Can we read this thing? Genesis chapter 3, step by step. I'm saying, based on the response he gave Nicodemo, the Pharisees, you could tell this. When he laid down the window of rebirth. When he says, unless born again, you could almost tell that, hey, but you know there was a fall. And I have to come. How can you ask? Because as fast as I said, it was informed by the Matthew 3 we read, the contestation with the forerunner. That was the information. And then we went further now. We say, in that response, you could almost hear him asking, why do you ask? How can you ask? 
when it happened in Genesis 3. And it's me who has to come and do these things. How can you ask? And these are, I'm talking about professors of the law. These are the analysts. If you have an opinion piece, you want to pick an opinion, you interview them. These are the scholars. They get deep. They are the critics. They are the counsel. Observers of the law. They observe. They observe how the law is going. These are the compliance people. Authority of compliance. So they observe how Israel is keeping the law. They advise Israel. And then now here, the teacher, they are the teachers of the law. They teach Israel. Israel sits under their counsel. And then, now he comes and says, Rabbi, teacher, maestro, tell us which is the way. I, how can you ask when you've been teaching it for years? You've been teaching the way. Can we read on? Genesis 3. Hold it there. Genesis 3, 1 to 10, then 15. Then I'll bring you back. Now, I want us to go back a little bit in time and see what happened Genesis 3. And then understand deeper why he gave this answer. Hallelujah. Genesis 3, precious people, 1 to 10. And he says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it verse 7 then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man Where are you? Where are you? Verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I am jumping now to verse 23 and 24. So I can be able to explain together. Verse 23, 24. Verse 23 says, So the Lord God banished 
him from the garden of Eden to walk the ground from which he had been taken. Verse 24. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Meaning to stop him from gaining access to the tree of life. Meaning to stop them from gaining access to the leaves of the tree of life. To the leaves. Can I explain this? Step by step. And remember, we are within the context of the answer. We say, why the disconnect? He said, the anointing is right. The power is right. The miracles are right. The signs and wonders are right. Tell us, why do you come? And then he answered, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter. He will not. Now listen to this now. And I said, in his answer of saying, unless born again, you could almost tell that the Lord Jesus was shocked. He said, if you are the teachers of the law, how come you don't know that there was a fall and I must come? But let's go into this fall now. That you may understand. Listen to this now. Listen carefully, precious people. In Genesis 3, you see, when God created man, the church, we see that there was the original blueprint, the original design of the creation of the church. And in that design, look at this now. In that original design, death was not factored in. In that original setting, that first blueprint, death was not included in the equation. It was not put in the factor. Why? Because you can see there, he's saying that in that creation, he intended that if man, the church he has created, will walk right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Will walk straight. Will be in right standing with God. Will worship obedience. Will worship righteousness. Will worship truth, the truth. Will worship holy. That original blueprint. If man would obey, walk according to that plan, death was never supposed to be there. Huh. That's why Genesis 5.24 you see Enoch replaying that blueprint. Genesis 5.24 Enoch replayed it. Enoch disapproved the enemy. As in, guess what? It is possible. 
Hallelujah. I know some of you at this moment as we speak, you have disapproved the devil. In your lives, in your ways, in many things. For me, I can say this. That when I came, they said, what type of gospel? We are not Christ. We are just mere mortals. You are asking us to live a very high standard of holiness. It's not possible. But now I can tell them, guess what? You are liars. It is possible. Why? Because even the Bible says it is possible. It says the same Holy Spirit that helped Jesus overcome is available to you. But over here, if you read Genesis 5.24 where he says Enoch lived 65 years until he became the father of Methuselah. When he became the father of Methuselah, then you see from there on, Enoch walked with God 300 years. And he says, all together, Enoch was 365 years when God took him away. Snatched him, did not see death. Meaning, it is possible. I'm just helping you understand the original blueprint. Which did not have death factored in. Meaning, if he walked right with God. Why? Because you see, Genesis 3.8, you hear the walking in the cool of the day. He says, Genesis 3.8, he says, he heard God Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Meaning the Lord always walked on a daily basis with him in the garden in the cool of the day. On everyday basis. Genesis 3.8 And then to disapprove that, to show that look, it is possible to walk with him even 300 years. Not just 90 years we have today. But listen to this. He says Enoch walked with him 300 years and did not see death. So in that answer to Nicodemus, the answer to Nicodemus, look at this now. It's like the Lord was telling him, how come you are the teachers of the law and you are not aware of the fall? And it's saying, how come you are not aware that you Pharisees, when you are busy there, teaching there, about the manna that came down from heaven and was eaten by men, your fathers, and the cloud that your fathers walked under, how come you did not know that it is I you are teaching about? It is me you are teaching about. Because he's saying that walking you are talking about in the wilderness. Let me tell you one thing. There was already a walking with Adam in the garden. And when man fell the walking with God was lost. That's how verse 23 
and 24 pronounces judgment. Are we together now? And he was saying, hey, you are talking about the cloud in the wilderness leading you. But there was the walking with God. That cloud was a foretelling. Because he's saying, when the cloud was walking with your forefathers, it was me he was talking about. He was saying that when that manna came down to your forefathers and they ate it, it was me. That is the bread of life that comes from God, from heaven, that if any man eat, it was me. How come you don't know what you're preaching is me? And then you come and ask, how do you come? What do you say? What's the message? Which is the way? But you know. You know that the walking with God was lost in the garden. And that when I come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We would be back to Emmanuel. God walking with man. Again. That is the window of restoration. That is the window of the new worship that he was talking about to Nicodemo. He was saying, look, there is a new window. Man must walk with God again. Let me start step by step. Let us start from why he came at night. And we said very clearly, he knew that he wanted personal time with him. Personal. Personal time. Because in the day, so many people be clouding, surrounding, stampede, pushing around, full, coming, busy. Personal time. I want to approach him alone. And I said, he wanted uninterrupted conversation. And the other one, I said, why he came alone in the night? It's because in the nature of Kada, you come to me and you ask me. Now, how do I go and ask? And yet, I'm in the high class, elite class, political class, Sanhedrin, authority. Humility was sin. You see that? Secretly, avoiding animosity from his contemporaries personal time, uninterrupted. And we see that this coming at night became the hallmark that defined Nicodemus in the Bible. This is what finally became his characteristic, his feature. And I have two scriptures here. I said John chapter 3 verse 2, the coming at night, but I also have John 19 39. This became the feature. This coming at night is what became what defined Nicodemus. So can we read John chapter 19? Again, jumping the gun. John chapter 19 verse 39. It became what characterized him. What defined him. What cataloged him. What marked him. Hallelujah. John 19 39. Hallelujah. He says, 
he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus in the night. That became the definition of Nicodemus. That coming at night is what now finally defined him. Because if he came to you, say, My name is Nicodemo. Say, Which Nicodemo? Are you the one that came at night? Or which one are we talking about? Because the one that came at night, we know. And I talked about the ranking of Nicodemus. I said he was a professor of law. Professors of law, they were the scholars of law, the critics of law, the analysts, they were the observers. I said compliance officers ensuring the law is observed. is complied to. They were the watchers of the law. The authority of the law. Teachers of the law. They were the legal counsel. They were the elite class Sanhedrin. So now I've covered that. Hallelujah. There is a statement Nicodemus gave. When you read the manner of engagement and the statement from Nicodemus, you pick something. Let us go and see. Look at what Nicodemus says. Can we go back to John chapter 3? The baseline scripture, reference scripture, foundation scripture. Hallelujah. And he says, I'm reading from verse 1 again, just to recap, refresh, and launch me. And he says this, John 3, 1 again, he says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus at night and said Rabbi we know that you are a teacher who has come from God Rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God he did not say Rabbi I know he did not He did not say, Rabbi, I know that your teacher come from God. He was non-committal. Did not commit himself. That teaches me a lot. Why did he say like this? But even Jesus understood when he hears that he knows, oh, this man is sent. Meaning, we have been watching. Meaning, I have been sent to ask you. We know there must have been an observing there going on. Observing and talking. You know the cripple that sits by the water? (laughs) He reached there and the cripple walked. They were following the chronology, the development, the way the Lord operates is this. Whether you like it or not, if you turn left, you hear it. Turn right, you hear it. Look forward, hear it. Turn back, hear it. All directions. So you see, they heard. So they had to follow. But now listen to this. He did not say, I know. Say, we know. I want to begin on that one now. Why did Nicodemus say, we know? Why didn't he just come and say, Lord, I know. 